So we continue our message series this morning, continuing our work our way through the epistle of James. We will wrap up chapter 4 this morning. Before we do, it's always good to do a little bit of review to see where God has brought us and what the big points were each of these weeks for the series. So I have a review slide for you up on the screen this morning. Abracadabra. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so week one, uh, what does it look like to turn our faith inside out? That our faith is not a noun, it is not static, it is not just a bunch of doctrine that we believe, but it is a living, active verb. Well, faith joyfully looks to our hardships and receives them with joy because God is working through whatever hardship we might be going through to refine us and grow us and prepare us ultimately for his crown of eternal life. We also talked about how faith humbly receives this word of God, which is able to save us. And then it doesn't just receive it, but it goes and does what it says. Week three, we talked about how our faith treats others with mercy, the mercy that we have received from God first, rather than showing favoritism. Week four, we talked about how we show our faith in Jesus by our good works. Right? We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone, but saving faith in Jesus Christ is never alone. It's always accompanied, followed by good works. Two weeks ago, Pastor Noel preached with us how by faith we can tame these tongues of ours and we can use them as an instrument of blessing to bless the name of our God and to bless other people who are made in his image. Then last week, seminarian Ted Fisher spoke about conflict and quarreling, and he talked about how in the selflessness of Jesus Christ, we can transform our conflict into concord. Today, as we wrap up chapter 4, James is going to talk to us about planning. And I'm sure that in this room right now and online, we have a whole gamut of planners who are in our midst Maybe some of the planners are life goals. <laughs> there we go. So my question is, how far in advance do you usually plan? No doubt there are some people here who have life goals in place. Maybe you have a life goal for your level of fitness. You're focused on not just the quality of life, but really what you can do with the quality of your life. Maybe you have career plans in place. Maybe a certain level of education you would like to get to before the end of your life or, or a certain place you would love to retire and put down your final roots. There are others here who might be more of a five-year planner. You know, in five years, I picture this for me or I picture this for our family or maybe we hope to start a family or we want to go to this kind of line of work after school. Or maybe we have some here who plan by calendar year. Uh, we don't see them as much anymore, but seven or eight years ago, my wife, who is a very big planner, loved, this sounds really kind of cheesy, loved when in October we'd get the next hard calendar in the mail. And she'd already open out the next yearly calendar and hold it up to the one we were in now and start copying all the dates of the birthdays and anniversaries and start tentatively writing weeks of vacation and family time and so forth. And it, it just fueled her planning mojo. Maybe there are others here who are seasonal planners. You know, in, in summer, we hope to go do this. In fall, we hope to go do this. Maybe in winter, we hope to go take that Disney trip. And so maybe you're more of a seasonal planner. Some are monthly planners. 
Hey, who's going to host the next play date? Who's going to host that next community group? Some might even be weekly planners. I have on the side of our refrigerator right now about seven to ten meals, dinners that we choose from. That's the weekly menu, right? Complaining doesn't change it, <laughs> right? If you don't like it, there'll be another one, all right? But that's where we're headed. <laughs> there might be some here, though, who are laughing <laughs> when I say planning, right? That you're a spur-of-the-moment person. <laughs> You've never planned a day in your life. Maybe you don't even know what you're doing this afternoon or evening, but that's just how you roll. Just fly by the seat of your pants. Wow. Here's the thing. Whether, whether you are a long-range Larry or a short-term Sally or a spontaneous Sue, James has some very real words for all of us in whatever kind of planning we do. Let's look at his first words to us here in verse 13. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make a profit. All right, let's just break this down because this is actually quite a 2,000 year old business plan. Uh, check this out. Look at everything that's included in this verse. So there's, there's likely fact that James heard some people in his congregation making this. Can you please advance the next slide? There we go. <laughs> this is all here in this verse. What's the time frame? Today or tomorrow? The travel plans. We will go. The destination is in there. To this city. The duration. We are going to spend a year there. We have the activity. We're going to do business. And the financial goal, we hope to make some money. Notice how this plan has ambition. This plan is very well thought out. This plan is very forward thinking. There's capital. There's transportation. There's multinational partners. So here's a question. Why, as Pastor James looks at this business plan... Would he ever say, hmm, what's missing? What's wrong with this business plan? I mean, it has all of this. It's concise. It's ready to go. Why would Dr. James take his big red marker and on this business plan write... A big F-bomb. Why would he look at this plan and find it wanting? Well, we boast about all these plans that we make or we have coming up. But look at how he brings us back down in verse 14. James says in verse 14, you make all these plans, but you don't even know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you are a mist that appears for a little while 
and then disappears. What sin is inherent in that kind of business plan? It's the sin of arrogant presumption, which will appear. This plan presumes that we're in control, right? This plan presumes that we are the master of our own destiny. This plan says, look at me. I can chart my own path and future. See, so, so I can go where I want, when I want, for as long as I want, engage in whatever I want, and even make as much as I want. This plan completely ignores the fact that we're finite, doesn't it? Not any one of us can tell with absolute certainty what's even going to happen in this world in the next 10 seconds, let alone the next full 24-hour day. I mean, we don't even know if there is going to be a next 24-hour day. So it not only ignores our finite character, but, but it also ignores the fact that we are fragile and frail, that we are broken, we are sinful. Our lives, our bodies can change just like that, meaning some of us might not even wake up on this earth tomorrow. Or if we do wake up tomorrow, we might not even wake up in the same physical or mental capacities that we woke up with today. Life can change that fast. I read about a woman who went to a new dentist. And as she was in the waiting room, she was just looking at the wall and there she noticed the dentist diploma, DDS, and, and, and she looked closely again and and, and she thought she actually recognized the name. And she thought to herself, could, could that be the same tall, handsome teenager at my high school that, that I wanted to date? And she thought, no, I mean, what are the odds? And, and sure enough, she got called back to the dentist chair. And, and as she's waiting, the thought kind of quickly left as this this elderly man came in with gray hair and he was balding and working on his nice dad bod and, and she just thought to herself, no, 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 can't be. There's no way. But as her cleaning continued and, and she, she was at the end, she couldn't help it and she, she said to the dentist, I, I have to ask you a question. Did you by chance go to Morgan Park High School? And he just grinned and said, yes, I'm a Mustang. And she goes, no kidding. When did you graduate? And he said, I graduated in 1959. And she sa he said, well, why do you ask? And she said, because I went there too. And he looked at her face really closely then, and, and he asked her, what did you teach? 
See, this life is so fast and fleeting, isn't it? In fact, what image does James give us in our text today about the, the, the temporariness of our life? He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. So perhaps James had in his mind the, the morning fog that would roll in on the Mediterranean Sea or, or even on the Sea of Galilee or maybe even in the Mediterranean mountains. But as soon as that sun came up, it would start to dissipate and, and eventually burn off, gone. And James says that's exactly what our life is like. We are a mist that appears for a little while and then quickly burns away. And so these plans that we make, let's take another look. When we look at this business model, what's missing? Or should we say who is missing? See, not only does it ignore our finite, frail, fragile existence, but do you see God anywhere in this plan? What about God and His will? Who is really in control? Who's in control not just of our life, but over world history today, yesterday, and to the very end of time? Where does this plan account for the sovereign reign and will of our God? It doesn't. And that's why Solomon also reminds us in Proverbs 19, whatever kind of planner you are, whatever kind of planner I am, many are the plans in a man's heart. Right? I still have many plans in my heart. But what's the big buts in this verse? I can have all the plans I want, and that's okay. But it's the Lord's purpose, not Randy's, that's going to prevail. Because the throne only has seating for one, and that is God. But yet there's no better place for him to be than on the throne, rather than me or anyone else. And so James says when when we have that sin of arrogant presumption, when we completely leave God out of the plans that we make and, and ignore Him, he says when we boast and brag about this trip or retirement or school or travel without any regard for God, he just says all such boasting is evil. It's sin. Sin of presumption. But James doesn't leave us there. He tells us in verse 15 how we can take our faith and turn it inside out as we make our plans. So he's not against planning. Planning is wise and prudent. But James says, though, when you make a plan, don't forget to give it the preface 
plan with a preface. He says, instead, when you make a plan, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will go here. We will do this and we will do that. Only though if the Lord wills. So when we plan, just humbly add the preface, if the Lord wills. And Jesus did that too, didn't he? In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he went to the cross, when he was in that garden praying, and he was sweating so profusely, it was like blood running off him, Jesus said, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. If the Lord wills. And Jesus completely surrendered and submitted even his will and plan to the greater plan and will of his heavenly Father. And see, if the Lord wills, it invites us to trust in and to entrust all of our planning. To God. It invites us to leave today and tomorrow where they already are, and that is in the hands of our gracious and good God, who in His planning, His very long-range planning, gave us His only Son and opened heaven for all who are baptized and believe in Him. We leave today and tomorrow where they already are in the God who makes that kind of plan. In closing, there's something that we can all learn from our early Christian brothers and sisters in the church. It's hard for us to imagine, but even a hundred years ago, even a hundred years ago, there was only one way for long-distance communication. And that was handwriting, letter, right? Snail mail, literal snail mail, Pony Express at best. And so what we have, though, are archives of very old letters from the early church. And when they would write letters to each other with plans or hopes or dreams, at the very end of the letter, our early Christian ancestors would write the initials DV on the bottom of the letter. And then we'd find other ones, DV at the bottom of the letter, DV. And it was very short for the Latin phrase, Deo Volente. Deo Volente, which in English simply translates, God willing. The end of every letter, they knew, Deo Volente, that no hope, plan, dream amounted to anything if it was not submitted and surrendered in faith to the will and plan of the God. And so with a Deo Volente, they would close the letter and send it. And so I was thinking, you know, man, what we can learn. So what if we, if whatever kind of planner you are, if you have stuff for this year, stuff for next year, five years, or maybe even life goals, what if, what if we got the calendar out, if you still use the hard monthly calendar, or got our phones out, and whatever plans we have in place, a vacation, maybe it's a Thanksgiving plan already or something for Christmas, or maybe it's a Disney trip this coming winter, or schooling abroad, or retirement, or a new career start, or business start, 
whatever it is, what if we went back into the calendar or our iCalendar, Google calendars, and just put those two letters, D-V. Lord, Dale Valente, if you will, O Lord, we will live and do this and this and this. Amen. I have a couple questions for you as we go through our here and practice now for those you are worshiping with at home or those worshiping together here. Just a couple questions as we really take these words and go do what they say. The first is just talk about with each other how far out do you tend to plan? And then secondly, what plans have you made or are you making that you could deo volente, that you could submit to God's will? Talk about that with each other as you do. We're going to have a, a song playing in just a minute. I actually had one member when I was a pastor in New York after hearing this same illustration go and get a tattoo on her wrist, DV. <laughs> Dale Valente, I'm not advocating you and your children go get tattoos with Dale Valente on your wrist, but what a cool reminder for her to go and every time she looked at her wrist, see DV, God willing. Go ahead and talk about this with each other now.